listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So I thought it would probably be best if I started this morning by simply asking your opinion. How do you feel like we're doing as a church? So what I mean by that is this. Do you think that we are hitting the target? There might be a few of you who would say, remind me again, what's the target? <laughs> if I'm going to make a judgment, I need the right measure, probably. So what, what, what are you asking? So when we talk about what we believe God is calling us to do, we, we say it with this language, okay? We believe that God wants us to become more like Jesus and help people come to know Jesus. So I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but raise your hand in a minute if you have. If you walk in the West Lobby, these words are written on the wall in really big letters. Have you seen those? Raise your hand really high. I wonder if you ever walk by that wall and you ever ask yourself, so are we doing this? I mean, as a community of believers, are we becoming more like Jesus? Is God transforming us? And are we really helping people to, to come to know Jesus? So like how many people are coming to know Jesus? So what we're going to do for these remaining weeks in September, today and the next three Sundays, we're going to talk about this idea of helping people come to know Jesus. And so I can't help but I dream when I pray. And I imagine what God might do. And I've just wondered what God might do in these four weeks that we spend together. Could God truly change the way we think as a church and the way that we live and what does God dream about doing in us and through us? So let me tell you a story, okay? Um, I have like a, a boss, uh, but he's like a pastor too, so he doesn't really feel like a boss. His name's Terry, and he's a great guy, and he's a very good leader. And so the last time that representatives of all the churches that he oversees, which is about 80 churches, and I'm one of those pastors that he overseas, okay? The last time we all got together for a meeting, he said, I'm going to ask you to do something that I haven't asked you to do before. Every month when you report to me, which we do every month, I'm going to ask you to add in a new, a new report. I want you to tell me who has come to know Jesus in the last 30 days through the ministry of your church. Well, when he said it, I got kind of excited because I just had a phone call with a guy that I was just meeting. His name's John. He lives up in North Dakota, and he planted a church. He only planted the church a few years ago, but like right now, there's about a thousand people showing up at his church on Sunday morning. It's this brand new church. And John said, Rick, when I began planting this church, I mean, I'm just going to admit I had no idea what I was doing. But there was a church near me, and they seemed to know what they were doing. And so I just drove over there one day and I had a meeting with one of the pastors and asked a lot of questions. And then I would go back at other times and ask for help and they were always glad to help me. And finally one day, one of the pastors says to me, hey John, you should like join our, you know, like um, organization, our affiliation. And he said, well, what does that mean? And they said, well, you're still part of your denomination, but all it means is that once you join in, you can have all of our resources for free. Our pastors will coach you for free. Anything you need, you just come to us and we'll help you with it. We're all yours. And John says, well, 
Like, what, what do I do in return? And they said, oh, we only ask one thing. Every 30, I'm sorry, every three months, every 90 days, we're going to call you on the phone. We're just going to ask you one question. We're just going to call you and say, hey, John, tell us all the people who have come to know Jesus since we last talked. He says, wait a minute. So I'm going to become a part of your deal, and you're going to give me all this coaching, all this help, all this material, and the only thing that I have to do is every 90 days you're going to call me, and I'm just going to tell you, here are the people who have come to know Jesus. Exactly. And John says, accountability? And they said, yeah, but we also want to make sure that people are coming to know Jesus. We want to make sure we're coaching you in a way that's really seeing a difference in the world. And so when, when Terry says to us, um, I want you to report those numbers, I said, I love this. So here's what happens, okay? I don't know if you know this or not, but every Monday morning, our church staff meets so it's not only pastors, but it's also directors. And there's about 24 of us around the table. And you know how we start every meeting. And we've been doing this for six months now. We ask the question. So let's write down on the board the people who have come to know Jesus this week. And so we met on Wednesday this week because Monday was a holiday. One of our pastors said, I've got one. And everybody said, yay, way to go. Let's hear the story. Everybody was clapping, excited. And he tells the story about how this person came to know Jesus. And everybody celebrated and we wrote down the name. Okay, so we've been doing this for six months. That's 28, I'm sorry, 27 weeks now. How many people do you think have come to know Jesus in the last 27 weeks? Do you want to know? You do? What if I told you it was more than five, more than ten, more than fifteen? In the last 27 weeks, we have written down 28 names. Yeah, I think it's awesome. 28 people have said, I'm accepting Jesus Christ into my life. I'm asking to be forgiven of my sins. I want to follow Jesus. Now let me ask you, how many should it be? When you consider all of the paid employees here, and all the hours that all of these people volunteer, countless volunteer hours, And when you consider all the money that's raised, what should the number be? See, I don't really have a formula for that. I can't tell you, well, if you have this many employees and this many volunteers and this much money, then it should equal this much. In fact, when I consult the Scriptures, it feels more like this. Some people plant and some people water. But it's God who determines the increase, right? Well, I can't give you a number. Here's what I can tell you. And I'm going to borrow the words from the Apostle Paul. God wants us to bring many to Christ. And He wants us to do everything we can to save some. 
Now that I'm convinced of. I cannot give you a number that says this is how many we should be reaching. But I can tell you that from the heart of God, and I'm borrowing words from the Apostle Paul, we should bring many to Christ and we should do everything we can to save some. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you the words of Paul himself as he spoke them. Now he was a missionary who travels to this city called Corinth, and he traveled to many cities, and he tells them about Jesus because that was what he was all about. That's what he gave his life to. He wanted to see people saved so bad. And so while he's in Corinth, a lot of people come to know Jesus, and they form this congregation, these young believers. He's there with them for one and a half years. He disciples them. Helps them to grow in their faith. And then he goes on to plant another church somewhere else because that's what he did. He hears that there are some concerns. And so he writes back to them addressing five concerns. And in one of those concerns about what do you do about this food that has been offered in idol worship when it comes out of that temple? Is it okay to eat it or not? In the middle of that conversation, you hear his heart. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I want to share these words with you, okay? Beginning with verse 19. And, and I want you to notice that he says the same thing six times. And I'll point them out every time. Even though Paul says, I'm a free man with no master. I have become a slave to all people. And this is the first time he says it. To bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew. He says it a second time. To bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could, this is number three, bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so that I can, number four, bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of, ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to, number five, bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground. I love these words. I have come to love these words. I try to find common ground with everyone. Doing everything I can. And that's number six. To save some. I do everything to spread the good news. And share in its blessings. I think when you come in and... We talk about how we're doing as a church. It's easy to say, well, how's Rick and, and those other guys doing? It's not really about that. It's, it's really about you. You know what the church is? It's, it's this right here. It's when we all come together. This is the church. And so, would you say, Rick... I'm doing everything I can to bring people to Jesus. Is there anybody who would say, I don't think I'm doing anything to bring people to Jesus. 
Between those two options, where would you fall on the scale? I'm doing everything I can to bring people to Jesus, or I don't think I'm doing anything to bring people to Jesus. Where, where, where are you in your life? And so I've talked to people a ton over these last few weeks as we've been preparing for this series. And a lot of people have said to me, Rick, I, I don't really do a lot to bring people to Christ, but I'm not very outgoing. I'm not an extrovert. I'm introverted. And that's awkward for me. It's uncomfortable for me to try to, you know, build relationships with people and try to talk to them about Jesus. I mean, I've had people share with me all kinds of reasons why this is not part of their life. People have said to me very honestly, I don't really feel comfortable hanging out with people who aren't like me. Who don't believe what I believe and value what I value. And so if I'm going to get around people who are, who are not like me, that's just not, that's not comfortable for me. Some people say my life is already really busy. While others say, I don't think I would know what to say. Someone said to me, I, I don't think that I know theology well enough to really talk to people about faith and God and all of those kinds of things. I don't think my theology is good enough. I don't think I have enough understanding of theology to have those kinds of conversations. Once in a while I get a really honest conversation with somebody who says, I, I think this sounds really bad and you're going to be disappointed in me, Pastor Rick, but I don't know that I really care that much. That people don't know Jesus. I don't think about it. I never think about it. It's never on my mind. I know that everybody needs Jesus, but I don't... It's not on my radar. I think the one that bothers me most is when people say, but God understands... And, and I'm here today to tell you, no, He does not. God is never at this point of saying, it's okay, just focus on yourself. Don't worry about everybody else. No, he's not okay. I think that's a matter of saying, you know what, God? I'm going to set you over here to the side and I'm going to create a God that is more palatable for me. And I'm just going to pretend that it's okay with God. See, I, I think we kind of get this attitude. You know what? If they come to the church, then I'll you know, try to make them feel welcome. But, but here's the problem. They're not coming to church. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying, but when they do come, no, 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 you're not hearing me. They're not coming. No, I'm saying when they actually one day do come, no, you're still not hearing me. They aren't coming. Studies are telling us that as high as 40% of the American population will never come to a church. No, but I mean like if they have a problem or if somebody dies, no, no, no. I'm telling you one more time, they're not coming. It's not like people in our world today are saying, well, let me think about church. Should I go? Should I not? No, I'm going to choose not to go. No, no, no. They're not having that conversation. They're not even thinking about it. It's not on their radar. They're not coming. So when the Apostle Paul, when he starts thinking about his own life and what he thinks God expects of him, 
When you read through the book of Acts, you find where he believes that God has called him and the Holy Spirit has set him apart. And he says, I feel obligated to share this good news. Let me give you his actual language, okay? He says, I am compelled by God to do it. And then he says, how terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. So, so this is where Paul is. Paul says, you know what? I don't really feel like I have a choice. I feel like this is what God is asking of me. And, and now the question that you and I have to struggle with today before we maybe even walk out of this room is what do you believe God expects to you of you rather in this conversation? Knowing the heart of God. Knowing the Word of God. Knowing how much God loves people. Knowing how deeply God desires to heal brokenness. As you identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, what do you really believe in your heart that God expects of you? So, uh, if God wants us to do everything we can to bring people to Jesus... And if people aren't going to come to church on their own, then, then what is it that we're supposed to do? We can't leave without answering those kinds of questions. My wife Annette and I, we went to see a movie a while ago. And the movie was, uh, it was kind of neat because uh, the guy who uh, produced and directed the movie, uh, his name was Michael Carney. And, and he's a brother to a friend of ours, Barry Carney. So it's kind of like neat that we, we knew this guy's brother. And so we go see the movie. And the movie was called Same Kind of Different as Me. The story of an art dealer who messed up in his marriage and had an affair. And in an effort to try to save his marriage, he was willing to do whatever his wife wanted him to do. She had a heart for Jesus. She wanted to share Jesus' love with people that nobody else was sharing Jesus with. And she began to go to people who were homeless in all of her grief, and share Jesus with them. And in this clip that you're going to see, he has lunch with a homeless man. And so, I think you'll understand where it's going. Before I answer your question about us being friends, someone want to ask you, yeah. Something about why folks that really bothers me. I hear when white folks go fishing, they do this thing they call catch and release. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just a sport. You know, sometimes you just fish for fun. For fun. Mm. See, where I grew up on a plantation, we'd go out in the morning, dig us up some worms, cut us a cane pole, sit on the riverbank all day. When we finally caught something on the lawn, we was real proud of what we caught. We take it back home, show it off, 
and sharing with all the folk. See, it bothers me the white folk go through all of that trouble. And when they finally got someone alone, they throw it back. So, it occurred to me that if you is a white man that is fishing for a friend, you're just gonna catch and release. And I've got no desire to be your friend. You understand me? You hear me? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I think he's saying? Is this catch and release? Or are you going to take me home with you? Because if I'm just a project, I'm not interested. But if you want to be friends, then I think I might be interested. And when you and I think about sharing Jesus with people who are different than us, it's not about a project. It's about becoming friends. A real friendship that lasts, whether or not they ever come to your church. It's not catch and release. When Paul thinks about his personal relationship with Jesus, he says, I'm free from external ceremonies. I'm a free person. But when it comes to my relationship with people who don't know Jesus, I have become, these are his words, I have become a slave to all people. Do you understand what he's saying? This idea that I'm going to do what I want to do at this stage of my life, and I'm going to enjoy the things that I want to enjoy at this stage of my life. He says, no, I'm putting all of that to the side. Because my world is full of people who are in desperate need of Jesus. And so I will become a slave to these people. I will do everything I can to bring them to Jesus. And when it comes to his attitude toward the law or food that was sacrificed to idols, he says, you know what I want to do? I want to just remember, remove rather any obstacle that I can remove that would keep me from sharing Jesus with you. A few years ago, the Lord, I felt, it gave me a, a, a gesture. And the gesture is this. I began talking about what if we begin to live with our arms open. And, and I think that that's where Paul is in this whole thing. In fact... Here are his words. He says, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. If I can just find common ground. I, I've learned that people who are very different from me, I can find common ground with them. I've learned that people who don't believe like I believe, I can find some common ground. I've learned that people who don't value what I value, I can find some common ground. I can get to know people who are different than I am. And, and I just try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. And so I think what Paul is saying is that I'm living like this. 
And I've asked you many times, what if you and I, what if we stopped living like this? And we started living like this. And, and for me, it's just a matter of making room and time for people in my life, truly inviting people in my life and becoming friends with those people. So let me talk to you a little bit about our church, okay? Bethany First Church is uh, an awesome place. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but for, uh, for the last 40 years, no exaggeration here, if you drew a graph of how our church has done for 40 years, like if you looked at like morning worship attendance or something like that, it is just like this. It is steady and consistent. For the last 40 years, on Sunday mornings, there's been between 2,000 and 2,500 people show up here for worship. Just very consistent. 40 years. And so there's a lot to be said about consistency, right? At least we're not sliding backwards. That's a good thing. But I was over at Southern Nazarene University a few months ago and Dr. Keith Newman said, not for everybody, but for most people. Tell me what you did last year. And I can tell you what your plan is for next year. Not everybody, but for most people, tell me what you did last year and I can tell you what your plan is for next year. We tend to do the same things year after year. And we tend to get the same results year after year. And there's this something stirring in me that says, you know what, I'm so glad that we've been consistent, but I want us to reach a lot of people for Jesus. And so maybe we don't need to do what we did last year. Maybe we need a better plan. I listened to a guy whose name is John Maxwell preach recently, and here's what he said. Maxwell said, everything in my life that is worthwhile is uphill. We have uphill hopes, but we have downhill habits. I think I get it. I understand where he's going with that. So when I think about everything in my life that's important, I realize it's uphill. But unfortunately, we have downhill practices and habits. And so as a staff, we said, what's the plan? How do we right now help you and help us share Jesus with others? How do we help you and help us find common ground with people who aren't like us? And so we wrote on a whiteboard, this is what we're currently doing. And we decided that there were a lot of downhill habits and practices. And so we began to think about a new plan. So let me just talk briefly about that to you. We, we've, been, we've been thinking we really need to do better at, at offering series that are just tailored for you to invite a friend to. And so what we're going to do in just a few weeks on October 14th, we start a series called Giants. What keeps you awake at night? What is that huge thing in your life that you just can't overcome, that you can't defeat? And we're going to talk about things like fear and uncertainty and loss. And we'll base it on the life of David. But we're going to be handing you stuff to show to a friend. Hey, you should come to church with me. We're starting this series called Giants. It's going to be really helpful, I think. 
We've been asking a question here for a long time. We've been asking, what if we had a service that met other than Sunday morning? How many people can't show up on Sunday morning because they work or they've worked all night? Or how many people would walk into this room and say, I'm not going to that church, it's too big. And so starting October 14th, we're offering a third worship service for the day. Same sermon, same band you hear here. But we have this really nice worship venue in our Family Life Center that's getting nicer every week. We're redoing it. And we're going to do a six-week trial service at 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And if somebody says to you when you invite them to this series called Giants, yeah, I can't go, I'll work on Sunday morning or I'll work all night Saturday night, say, no, it's okay, we have a 5 o'clock service, I can meet you there for that. Or if somebody says your church is too big, say, no, it's a little, it's a little meeting, it's only a couple of hundred of us over here in this room, you'll, you'll love it. We really believe in our hearts that it starts, though, with you and, and me. And, and that's why tonight I'm inviting as many of you as will come at 6 o'clock. And I understand the masses aren't coming, but a few of you are going to come. And we're going to just engage in conversations and give you very, um, I think, easy-to-use tools to help you Live with your arms open. And then to be accountable to one another about how you're doing and sharing Jesus with people. And some of you, I understand, are saying, I don't want to go in this room and sit down at a round table and have to talk to these people in small groups about what's going on in my life with God and my sharing Jesus with others. I understand that it's not the most comfortable thing, but, but you have to hear what I'm saying. I don't have any hope that we're going to get much better unless we become accountable to one another and I don't think that we can become accountable to one another unless we start having conversations. And so I'm asking you to give it a try. Six o'clock tonight in the atrium right here. Just show up. You don't have to sign up. And let's take those next steps together. I was, uh, I was at an event not long ago and this guy stood up to speak and he put a picture of a globe that was shattered on the screen. It looked like this. And he paused and then he looks out at us and he said, When did you first come to understand that the world was broken? How old were you when you discovered it? You understand, this is Paul's motivation. The world's broken. The world is in deep need of Jesus. Jesus can mend a broken world. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until it finds rest in you. As we thought about today, I realized that... Um, that I'm a preacher, and, um, and that's not what you do with your life. And I realize that a lot of those excuses I mentioned earlier are very real concerns. And so I wondered if it would help you if you just listened to the story of a person like you. 
share their journey of how God is leading them to help people come to know Jesus. So listen to what Debbie Rain says. I think it can be helpful to you. It was about 10 years ago where I just found myself longing kind of for more. I, I was actually sitting out on the patio one day and I'd been praying, God, lead me in this. You know, am I, I never thought God had left me, but I just, I knew there was something missing. And I remember one day sitting out on the patio and having my quiet time and journaling. And I mean, very vividly, I felt God speak to my heart and say, you're too busy. You are too busy. And then when he said next, tore my heart out because he said, you are too busy, Debbie, to hang out with people that really need me. And at that point, it had been about a two-year span of, uh, I called it my fire. God took away things in my life that, to me, I held kind of as important. He filled me with joy and peace that I had never experienced. And then it was like, I want everybody I know to have this. I mean, I would meet people and I just would fall in love with people. I mean, I just was, was drawn to them. We really didn't have a ton in common. So I would look for things that we had in common and try to nurture that in a sense. It was just like God would say, I want you to hang out with them. As the relationships would begin to develop and to move forward, and I would feel very inadequate going, what if they asked me a question, a theological question? I am no theologian, you know? Um, I just know I love Jesus like crazy, and he's changed my life. One thing that I started doing, which was kind of crazy idea, but it ended up being so fun, is whenever I would have get together at my house, whether it be um, a party, Christmas party, or a fall party, I began to, I felt like, I really felt like God was calling me to include more than just my church friends. And I loved that the fact that people that I uh, was friends with could love on my friends and, and make them feel welcome and included. I'm learning continually um, it's a process. How much I would love for them to just embrace Christ instantly. Um, but for some of the people that God has crossed my path with, it's been 10 years. And I've, I'm seeing progress. If I, if I felt like I had it all together, then I probably wouldn't be crying out to Him, God help me, you know, creating me a new heart, anoint my words. He, he calls me to be obedient, and, and I can't control the outcome all the time. Again, God's had to refine me and remind me what's really important, that I have to be really intentional about not becoming too busy. Now, God, here's my calendar. Who do you want me to spend time with? Um, just last Sunday, we were at a restaurant, and we went in and we sat down, and the girl said, I remember you were in here not long ago, and I left there going, God, I need to spend time with her. I need to be intentional to call her and say, let's do coffee. 
let's share life. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.